Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. Well, we are in a series right now out of 1 Thessalonians, and last week we have uh, turned the page to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we talked about a sermon called Not in Vain. And this is something that we had um, started last week, and we're going to continue in this same series slash, uh, you could say, title this week as well. And I want to give you a, a quick backdrop to what we are reading in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul is writing to a church. Now, Paul had planted this church with Silas, and you can read about that in the book of Acts chapter 17. Uh, it tells you the entire story, but Paul and Silas had left Philippi after getting beaten and jailed, and they were on their way to Thessalonica. And that is where they went and they preached the word, and many people came to faith in that area. However, Paul and Silas, they got chased out of town uh, in the middle of the night, but they had only spent three weeks there. Well, in the time frame, Paul is writing back to this church. He is writing to these people. He, he had sent Timothy to go there and check on them, and Timothy came back and gave him a report on what is happening. But here, in chapter 2, Paul is defending his ministry to the people. See, there had been some misinformation getting spread around on, on Facebook and YouTube back then that about Paul, that was uh, Paul needed to address this. Well, in, in his addressing, we are seeing how Paul lived. And how Paul lived is how I believe we are called to live as well. And, and if you look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, it says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that are coming to you was not in vain. So the sermon series is not in vain, and I want us, you and I, to live a life that would not be in vain. I want us to live a fruitful life, a fulfilled life in our Lord. And I, th- and I think as we look at Paul here, as we look at Paul's example, we are going to see an example for us as well. So, if you will turn with, with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, we're going to pick up in verse 6, and I'm going to ask for you to stand this morning out of respect for the word of our Lord, and we're going to read 6 through 12 this morning. Verse 6, it says, Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. Verse 7, but we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because we, because you had become very dear to us. Verse 9, for you remember, brothers, our labor and our toil. We worked night and day that we not, might not be a burden to any of you, while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. Verse 11, for you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, 
who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Let's pray this morning. Father, as we come to you, Lord, as we turn to your word, as we look at the example Paul was, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would come and encourage and challenge us this morning. Father, we desire to live lives not in vain. We desire to bring honor and glory to you, Lord. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. Now, as we talk about this, I do want to remind us and keep this in mind as you read 1 Thessalonians here. Paul had spent three weeks with these people. And I know I've said this every single week, but we have to, have to really emphasize this because Paul's conduct towards them and how Paul lived, we need to be thinking in these terms. Paul had only spent three weeks with them, and they came to faith. But the group, this church, it was a group full of young believers. These were not believers here that had been following Christ for years and years. Some scholars estimate that when Paul wrote this letter back to them, because Paul had left there, when he wrote it back to them, some of them estimate it was only a matter of months that Paul was gone. Between Paul coming to them, ministering to them, and Paul leaving, and then Paul writing back to them. So when Paul is writing to them, and when Paul spent his time with them, Paul was ministering to young believers. When Paul is writing this, this letter, he's writing a letter to young believers. He's not writing to established church. Uh, you will see that within other letters, because here, in, and as we, you look at the wording today, you will see how Paul's conduct was and how Paul's heart was towards them. And I just want to just give us, to, uh, to help us realize how Paul and who Paul is writing to here. Because I think it matters on how Paul treats them and cares for them. Um, and we're going to be seeing that here. The other thing about Paul, the apostle, is the thing about Paul is that Paul has the wisdom to know what to do and what to say when. Paul was one of the greatest missionaries because you could drop Paul off in any location, and Paul would figure out the culture, and then he would kind of become that culture to the people. Now, Paul would never change the gospel message. That stayed the same. But depending on the culture and depending on the people Paul was talking to, Paul would change his tactics, change how he would approach people. And we, we also see this out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Look at what Paul says here on this whole being adaptable. He says, uh, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. He says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became a Jew in order to win Jews. To those who were under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. Verse 21, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside of the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. Verse, 20, verse 22, to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save 
some. Verse 23, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Paul is very adaptable. And I think as you read 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, especially these first 12 verses, you're going to see how Paul is so adaptable with the people here. And as I've labored this week and studying this, I've been trying to really think about how was Paul to this church? What was Paul's like overall attitude? And I think in verse 7 and verse 11, we see that. Verse 7 says this, For we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Verse 11, For you know how, like a father with his children. Paul became a parent to these people. These were young Christians, and we see Paul's overall stance as a parent. Now, we're going to kind of go, go through this verse by verse today, and um, my goal and my desire for us today is that as we read these verses, verse by verse, for the next few hours, <laughs> we will see how Paul's attitude was towards these people. And I believe how Paul lived, how Paul walked, is the same way that we are called to walk as well. So let's uh, pick up on verse 7 here. 1 Thessalonians 2.7. We just read this. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. I want you to get this image in your head. Paul says we were gentle among you. Now, in those days, when the Greek writers used the term gentleness, I found this very interesting, it was to describe those who dealt patiently and with a mild manner towards those who were difficult, a difficult child, unmanageable students, those who had not reached maturity and who were experiencing the inconsistencies and struggles of development. Paul recognized that when he was dealing with this church, that they were not mature believers. They were young. They had a lot of inconsistencies. There was some struggles there. And as Paul was working with them, and as Paul was ministering to them, he reminds them, we were gentle among you. Now, not to be graphic here, but if you've ever raised children, if you've ever had children, if you've ever seen somebody raising children, he gives us this imagery of a nursing mother taking care of a child. Now, if you've ever nursed a child, or if you've ever been a part of a family, you can see this, right? You know, like when you have to take care of a little child that is nursing, are you rough with them? Are you harsh with them? You know, like, like, I just think about, like, us having our first child, and I was scared, you know, because I didn't know how to hold a child, you know, and then they're teaching you, you got to support the neck, and, and you get this image that Paul is so gentle and patient and loving and caring for these people. This past week, something funny happened. I was in the kitchen, and Henry came walking in, holding one of Gloria Jean's dolls by the back of the neck, and he goes, Dad, is this how you hold a child? I said, no, this is not how you hold a child. <laughs> you know that, Henry. 
But Paul here is writing to them and reminding them, you guys remember our time together. When I was with you, I was gentle, like a nursing mother. And I am, I am personally grateful when Christians and believers learn when to be when in all circumstances. When I first became a Christian myself, you guys may or not realize this, I did not come out of, of the womb this perfect, right? Not even close, not even close. But I had all of these sins and all of these struggles. And when I came to faith in Christ, I was so grateful that the church family I got connected with was gentle towards me. They were bold. They proclaimed the gospel. They were firm in who Christ was. But their attitude towards me was an attitude of gentleness. It was an attitude of, I realize you don't have it all figured out yet, and I'm not going to force you to get this all figured out as I do, but I'm going to be gentle with you. I'm going to work with, with you. And I think sometimes for us who might have been following Christ for a long time, when you meet a new believer or maybe somebody new to the church, we can sometimes want to hold people to certain standards, and when they don't meet those standards, we become very kind of, critical of them. I know none of us have ever done that or ever been a part of that kind of church, but there are churches out there that may or may not have this attitude at times. But Paul reminds us of his gentleness, and I think it is important for us to remember that as well, that as we walk, as we live this life, as we meet people, and I would say especially young believers or maybe even somebody new to the church, that we as believers would learn to be gentle with them. And think about this image, like a nursing mother. Really, like, like when you meet someone, think like, okay, how, how would a nursing mother treat their child? Maybe I could treat this person in the same way. Maybe I could be gentle towards them. Now, that does not take away from who Paul was. We talked about this last week. Last week, Paul, he was bold. He, he was confident in who God was and what his calling was. Being gentle and bold, I believe, can go hand in hand. And sometimes boldness can be associated with, like, not as loving. But Paul knew how to be bold and gentle at the same time. Verse 8, we're going to continue on. And like what I said today, we're just going to be going through verse by verse and gleaning and learning from Paul here. Verse 8, he says, So being affectionately desirous of you, we are ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Affectionately desirous of you. Dear to us. This language Paul is using her here, I believe is powerful language. And it's, it's an image that I think we can really grasp this morning. As Paul is writing to these people, as he is reminding them of his time with them, Paul, we kind of like see this window into Paul's heart. How did Paul really feel about these people? What was Paul's attitude like towards these people? And it was affectionate. It became dear to him. That they were so dear 
And Paul loved them so much. Paul says two things here that I think are so important. He says, we, we loved you. We were affectionately de- desirous of you. But we came and we shared the gospel, he, he says here, and our lives. Now, we knew that through Paul's teachings and through Paul ministering and Paul being a missionary, the first one, Paul sharing the gospel message, is like a no-brainer, right? Like, wherever Paul went in life, Paul would share the gospel. That was Paul's calling. That was Paul's greatest desire, was wherever Paul was, I'm going to tell people about the gospel. But Paul here links this. He says, listen, we loved you guys so much. We desired you guys so much that we shared these two most important things with you. The gospel message and our lives. Church, as I think about the modern church today, I spend a lot of time, probably too much time over the last several decades, couple decades, thinking about the American church and thinking about how can the American church be more effective? How can we bring this gospel message to the world around us? How can we reach people with the gospel of Christ? I think about that daily. But what I see here within Paul's life, I believe, is such a key window here that as Paul lived his life, his first thing was the gospel. But right along with that was his life. As Paul lived, he said, we shared our lives with you. Do we do that well in America? Like, that's something that, like, I really just, like, struggle with and just, like, think about here. I think sharing the gospel has been, at, like, an all-time low as well, But as I think about how Paul lived, it was like, I love you so much. I care about you so much. I want to share the gospel and not just this message. He wasn't just showing up and dumping a message on people like a traveling, you know, evangelist here. Hey, I got a message. And then he was leaving town. Paul, when he showed up, it was, I have this message of Jesus, this, the greatest message known to mankind, but I love you so much. I'm not just going to share the message with you. I'm going to share my very life with you. My time, my energy, my everything I have, I'm going to share with you. And as I think about that, it's, it's very countercultural to our world. Our world is so much like, hey, like, you know, like we need to build up our own stuff, our own kingdom. We've got our own little boundary lines. We've got, and when Paul says, when he ministered to someone, it wasn't just, here's the message. It was, here's me. What do you need? Everything I have. Paul, Paul lived in such a way that he was willing to share his very life with these people. And I think, honestly, that is, that is one of our greatest challenges these days is because the world we live in, it's so much of these like defined lines and, you know, and, and even for like us Americans, like we get busy. And we've got our jobs, and we've got our family, and we've got all of this stuff going on. But the challenge is, is when we come across people, when you meet someone, when you're sharing the gospel, are you willing to share of your very self? Because this gospel message is not just a message. It comes with us as well. 
Do we open up our homes? Do we invite people in? Can we get close to people? Because the world we live in is a world of digital and separation, and I think it is the greatest challenge. And honestly, it is one of my greatest prayers for this church and for any church in America is for God's people, God's believers, those who, who would say, I identify as a Christ follower, for us to live this way, for us to live a life saying, Lord, I recognize that everything I have, you have given to me. And I want to honor you with everything. And I want to invite other people in and share my very self with everything that I have. Because that was how Paul lived. Paul wasn't just like, oh, you know, hey, this is, this is my place here, or, you know, this is like my food or my stuff. It was all just, I'm going to share it with everyone. I'm going to be a blessing to anyone and to everyone. And I think, honestly, church, that is one of our greatest challenges, is that the American culture has so individualized everything, has has so sold us on this lie that, that this life is about you. Your best life and your stuff and this. But the gospel message and the challenge and the call is to say, God, I want to share with this world the gospel and myself. And you can't just have one or the other. And I think sometimes it's really easy to just share the gospel, but be like, well, I'm not going to... I'm not going to like spend time there, and I'm not going to invest there, and I'm not going to allow them into my life and share with them. And I just think, church, that is a serious challenge. But I believe that when believers live this way, oh man, the gospel message becomes so real to the world around us. That the people around us don't just hear the gospel message, but they feel the gospel message. And there is a huge difference. Some, there are a lot of people in this country that have heard the gospel message. And I would say, I don't know if they've felt the gospel message by a believer sharing their life with them, willing to go the extra mile, as what Jesus says. If somebody slaps you, turn to him the other cheek. If they want a tunic, give them another one here. There's this idea that God... Everything on who I am is yours. And I'm willing to give it for the gospel. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, we're getting short on time, and we're not getting very far in these verses. So we need to continue on. Let's look at verses 9 and 10. Paul's going to shift gears here a little bit. And uh, Paul and Silas were not just sharing the gospel in their lives, but Paul and Silas, um, the title I... I came up for verses 9 and 10, which is probably not a good title, is that Paul and Silas were not freeloaders, okay? Like, that's kind of, I know, I don't know if that's going to be controversial. Everything's controversial these days. But in verses 9 and 10, we are going to see that here. Paul says this, For you remember, brothers, this is verse 9, our labor and toil, we worked night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. Um, now, I don't want to go on a rant about uh, 
the work ethic in 2021, okay? Like, you know, if you guys know me and have talked to me, I don't want to go on that whole rant there. But what we see here is that Paul reminds them is that when Paul was with them, as Paul was ministering to them, Paul was willing, Paul and Silas, they worked night and day. Now, in this culture at this time, Paul and Silas had every right, culturally and being apostles, to demand something from his listeners. Culturally, in the Greek culture, when a teacher would come to town, they would call them teachers, but let's just say, you know, you know, an evangelist or anything. If somebody would come to town and share a message or share a teaching, they could ask the, the listeners for financial support, for housing, and for food. Now, Paul, Paul recognized, now, in some, in some cases, Paul did that. In this case, Paul said, when I came to town, we didn't want to be a burden on any of you. We brought this gospel message, and we worked night and day so that we would not burden you. And what you see here is that Paul and Silas had a, had a tremendous work ethic. Tremendous. Their example to these people was their work ethic. When they showed up, it was night and day, Paul said, we toiled, we worked. We didn't want to burden you guys, but we wanted to work as well. And I just think, as believers, it is, it is so important, no matter where you go, no matter where you work, whether you are, are working at Lowe's or working out at the mines, your work ethic, your ability to be a good worker is a huge witness to the world around you. Now, I realize I'm also talking to a bunch of youpers that uh, already have a pretty good work ethic. I think it's one of the best. Um, we also have some Canadians with us, which I believe they probably got pretty good work ethic here too. Um, but we have to remember that when you live your life, when you're placed in circumstances, your work, your, your work ethic, your physical work ethic really matters. And it really shines. Um, when I grew up, my dad was a uh, Teamster union man for 39 years. He drove truck for uh, Teamsters. And uh, has anyone here ever worked in a union? Looking for a show of hands. We've got some. Uh, my dad, um, I would listen to my dad at night um, talk about his fellow union brothers. And uh, it was always disappointing. It was always just like he, my dad was a very hard worker. He, uh, he started working at age 15. He left home and he never, he just retired for the fourth time two months ago at age 72. So my dad, like he is a worker. But I remember this one story. Um, it was at dinner time and my dad, I was like, you know, you know we, my family, we always had dinner at six o'clock. Like no questions asked. My entire childhood, no matter what I was doing, I had to be home at six to have dinner. Well, my daddy, he was telling me about uh, what happened at work that day, and he was telling me a story about a worker, one of his uh, Teamsters brothers, um, started taking naps on the job. Uh, he would start taking two-hour afternoon naps. Um, he was kind of tired, um, so he would make some deliveries, he would eat his lunch, and he would pull his semi over and sleep for two hours. Now, this is before GPS. If you drive semi now, you got somebody watching you 24-7. So this was like before all of that technology. And I said, well, so what happened here? And he said, well, um, the bosses decided to follow this guy because 
they couldn't figure out why this guy wasn't making deliveries here. And the bosses found him sleeping. So they brought it to the union, and the union turned it around and said, what are you guys doing taking time out of your day to follow truck drivers around? And I said, so what happened to the guy? He said, nothing. He's still working there. And I said, well, is he still napping? He said, I don't know, probably. But uh, anyways, that's just my little rant, and you can kind of see the world I grew up in. Um, and, uh, but the whole point is your work ethic really, really matters to the world around you. It is an example to others. And it breaks my heart when believers don't have a strong work ethic. When they show up to a job and they want to get something out of the job instead of saying, you know what, I'm here to work. These are my hours. This is my time. But Paul and Silas give us this example. And I think, and I think it's important for us in 2021 as well. For us to have this type of attitude towards our labor and towards our work. And whether you're working someplace else or whether you're working for the gospel, whether you are serving in any capacity, I think it really, really matters. And Paul reminds them that they didn't just have a good work ethic, but Paul says that our conduct was holy and righteous and blameless. That was his conduct. It wasn't just working hard, but it was working with morals, working with a standard beyond everyone else's standard. All right, I can see you guys are getting hungry here. We're almost over. Verses 11 and 12 here. We're going to continue on. Verse 11, For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Paul used three words here to drive home this last point. He said that we exhorted you, encouraged you, and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Last week and this week, I think that this is the overarching theme of how our lives should look. If we're going to live a life not in vain, if we're going to get to the end of our lives and realize we lived a worthy life honoring God, I see here Paul's final words were, was that we had encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God. And I think we have to keep that in perspective. Our God is worthy of all of us. Everything in our life, God is worthy of. He created us, and not only that, he came and he sent his one and only son to die for us. God sacrificed everything for you and for me. And I think, how can we not live fully devoted to him? How can we not wake up every single day wanting to bring honor and glory to our king? He came and he forgave us of all of our sins. We just took communion today, remembering the sacrifice Christ has made for us, that he died on that cross. He shed his blood. He gave up his body for you and for me. And as I think about our lives, as I think about how, how, how should we ought to live, 
I think Paul's example here is fantastic. If you read this entire chapter, he, he is bold and he is courageous and he's not afraid of mankind and he wants to just honor God and he, he knows when to be gentle and, and, and like when to be like a mother figure and when to be a father figure and he works hard. Paul lives a life. He looked at his life and he said, God, everything I have is yours. Everything I do should bring honor and glory to you because you are worthy of it all. And if I can leave you with just that last thought, church family, how do we live a life not in vain? We live a life that's worthy of what God has done for us. For us to wake up every single day and want to honor God with everything that we are. And I think it's such a real challenge for us. For us to just want to honor Christ. Because I, I want to get to the end of my life and say, God, I wanted to honor you and glorify you and bring people into your kingdom more than anything else in my life. More than my money, more than my house, more than everything I have, God. I want to honor you and I want to see people come to know you. And that's ultimately how Paul lived. Paul, Paul his, his whole death story, according to church History, it was still Paul writing to churches, encouraging them, challenging them to be following Christ, to be committed to Christ. It was like, that was Paul's entire life. And I think as, as believers, church, as a follower of Christ, our life ought to honor and bring glory to God in all that we have. I, wanna, I want you guys to stand and I want to pray for you this morning. And as we pray, I'm going to pray over our meal, and our offering today, and uh, then I will give you some final instructions about the church picnic. But let us pray. Father, Father, we desire to bring honor and glory to you. Lord, I desire for our church family and for myself to live a life not in vain. And Father, as we see Paul's example here, Lord, challenge us, encourage us, charge us to live in such a manner. And Father, I thank you that we get to honor you with our wealth today, Lord. I, I pray, Father, that, that, that you would be a blessing over this offering, Lord. May we uh, bring honor and glory to you in this offering. And Lord, may your kingdom continue to grow in Marquette County. And Father, we thank you for this church picnic that we get to gather and have food and just enjoy one another's presence. Lord, I ask for your blessing upon this food. I pray, Lord, that uh, we will just have a wonderful afternoon playing games and laughing and chatting and bringing glory to you, Lord. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.